Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Thank you for coming out today. I'm going to start with a little prayer before I begin my sermon, so... Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together today and for being in our midst. Please help us to hear what you're saying to us and to live our lives for you. Please bless this message and encourage all of us. In your name, I pray. Amen. So the holidays are very busy, and I know that all of us are kind of coming down off that high right now, (laughs) kind of enjoying the quiet of January. Um, And from Halloween to New Year's, All of us are running around buying gifts, we're decorating our homes, we're baking, you know, sweets and treats, Um, (laughs) and overall just preparing several celebrations that all happen within two months of each other. And on top of that, we're dealing with incoming winter weather, maintaining relationships with family and extended family, and we're dealing with delayed delivery dates for presents, money problems, and all sorts of other sources of stress that occur during the holidays. And it's really hard to make the, tr- the holiday truly about Jesus during that time because it tends to, the world kind of makes it more about family and presence when it's actually supposed to be about Jesus. <clears throat> but after the New Year's hits, everything suddenly stops. And we go from hurry, hurry, hurry to a st- sudden standstill and everything just goes back to normal. Uh, It's nice to have a quiet weekend once everything calms down, but after a little while, all that excitement wears off, and you're dealing with the blustery winter that January brings. (laughs) And we stay closed in our houses because of the snow and ice and the cold, and the sun continues to set around 5 o'clock, so there's really no point in going out. (laughs) And daylight's left by the time many of us who are still working full-time jobs, you know, are done with work. So it's like, oh... Work's done? Oh, it's evening. Let's go to bed. (laughs) You kind of go from suits to pajamas really quickly. (laughs) Um, And I personally work from home, so I basically become a vampire until the spring comes. You know, I have no vitamin D. My face becomes pale. Uh, (laughs) um, And many of you can relate to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... It can quickly become depressing and pretty boring after a little while. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a light to that tunnel, right? We can take this time that we're stuck in our homes to seek God more than we usually do, right? We, oftentimes I find myself spending less time with God because of the holidays or because I want to go out for a walk in the summertime. So when you're stuck in your house, it's the perfect opportunity to seek God more and have that solitude with God that you miss during the other moments in the year. And the Bible has many verses about finding community and bonding with others, and the holiday season is full of that, right? (laughs) If anything, it's like too much. Um, (laughs) But it also says that there is a time for silence and quietly seeking the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. 
a time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter bones and a time to gather them. Oh, oh sorry, scatter stones, not bones. <laughs> I've been watching too many crime, true crime documentaries. Um, <laughs> time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. <laughs> a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. You know, and it's in the seasons of quiet stillness that we can draw nearer to God, and the Bible encourages that, right? Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So God wants to have that personal time with us. In fact, he created us um, to worship him, and he actually walked with Adam and Eve, you know, when they were in the garden and everything. Um, but sin separated us from God. And he created us to be in constant communion with him. So because we're more separated with God than Adam and Eve were at the beginning, right, what a better way to be intimate with God than to spend more alone time with him when we're able to, especially during the quiet seasons. So what can be gained from purposefully seeking out solitude with God? Well, it can give us strength, encouragement, and restoration that we're missing otherwise. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine through 44 says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel came from heaven, appeared to him, and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And in this verse, Jesus is preparing for his upcoming crucifixion, which would cause any of us anxiety and anguish, right? Um, because he knew exactly what was going to be happening to him. It's very understandable. Um, but he knew that the best thing to go to do with his emotions and with, you know, probably the fear and everything that he was feeling was to go and spend time with God by himself in his moment of distress. And in return, an angel came from heaven and gave him the strength that he needed to move forward. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So this was a regular thing that Jesus did throughout his life, not just when he was in distress. And the prospect of his own crucifixion. Jesus made it a point to be alone with God frequently. And God gave him the strength and the direction that he needed to move forward. And God can do the same thing with us in our own circumstances. We may not be facing crucifixion, but we face job, job changes. We face stresses of our own daily life that God can help us with and give us the strength to, go, to get through. And God sent Jesus to the earth not only to save the world, but to show us what it means to have a relationship with him. And that alone time is a huge part of it. And like I said, Jesus did that on the regular basis. 
Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So even when we don't know what to pray, God knows what we need. He knows what we need before we do, and when we don't know what we need. <coughs> and he gives us what we need to face another day. He gives us that hope, and he gives us that strength and restoration. And he reminds us that he has everything in his hands, and he has things taken care of even when we can't see it, and it's out of our own control. So solitude also allows you to collect your thoughts, evaluate, and grow as a person, right? Um, because it allows us to see from God's perspective. And there's a saying that one of my bosses likes to say regarding data, but it's true in lots of forms of life. Garbage in, garbage out, right? So if all you're doing is surrounding yourself by the things of the world instead of God and heavenly things, what do you think is going to come out, right? We work all day surrounded by coworkers and to-do lists, and we're surrounded by friends and family who all have their own opinions opinions, right, about our lives <laughs> and difficulties. And we have social media, the news, and many people trying to influence us and tell us how to live. Um, and even if you're a parent, you know, like Warren Sophia, you're now responsible for guiding another person along that path. <laughs> so how do we know the difference between truth and lies and right and wrong unless we spend time with God and listen to what he's saying to us, right? Because otherwise, the world will influence us. If we don't have anything else going in, into our conscience, um, you know, we're going to start going along with what the world says instead of what God says. John 15, 5 through 8 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. So spending alone time with the Lord and allowing his presence to be tangible in our lives refreshes our spirit and helps us remember why we're here. It helps us produce good fruit, which means pruning away those things that aren't of God and allowing the fruits of the Spirit to grow. And I've definitely found that I haven't spent as much time with God. Um, when I haven't spent as much time with God as I should, I begin struggling more with self-image, loneliness, things like that, um, even if I'm surrounded by loved ones. Um, and I tend to convince myself that I'm not good enough because to the world you're not <laughs> oftentimes, you know. Um, and I tend to just overall have a negative outlook on the world. I don't know about you. Um, but God doesn't see all those flaws that we see, right? He wants to lift us up, and he sees the work of art that he created when he created you and me. And he sees the bigger picture in his overall plan, whereas we only see what's right in front of us. And when we spend more alone time with God, it helps us remember our value and why we're here. It helps us see areas where we're wrong and areas that we need to grow. 
And the more time you spend alone with him, the more he, he will reveal to you how to make those changes in your life and how to improve as you go through life. Because you're never going to be perfect. Life is an ever-improving process. <laughs> um, and that brings me to my third point. Solitude with God brings godly guidance and direction. And as I said before, Jesus went to spend alone time with God for everything, especially before the beginning of his ministry and when he was uh, choosing his disciples and the apostles and deciding his next move. And we can see many followers of Christ doing this throughout the Bible. Even in the days of Moses, Moses built a special tent to be alone with God, and he went out onto the top of Mount Sinai to spend alone time with God and, you know, just have some time away from the people that he was leading. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, in Exodus 33, 7 through 14, it says, Now Moses used to make a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meaning of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the tent, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now, that pillar of cloud represents God's presence. So when, when there was a pillar of cloud that was there always because God was showing that his presence was always there. But when Moses went to go and pray with God, that cloud would lower and hover over the tent, representing that he was speaking with Moses. So everybody could physically see it. Verse 10 goes on to say, Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. When Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. So if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I just think that is such a beautiful interaction between God and Moses. It's so intimate, and it's so close. <laughs> I only talk like that with, you know, my husband or someone who that I'm very close with. And after this, the Bible said that God showed himself to Moses, and God's glory was so powerful that Moses' face was radiant afterwards, and he had to wear a veil. Then God met with Moses again at the top of Mount Sinai, expressing that absolutely no one, not even grazing sheep, should be present when they were up there to meet. And he gave Moses a set of commands for the Israelites to follow and engraved them into a set of stone tablets, which, as most of us know, was the Ten Commandments. So Exodus 34, 8 through 10 says, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. 
Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. And Moses made a point to go and commune alone with God on a regular basis. And doing so, got rid of all the distractions, you know, the qualms among his people. I mean, God did address those things. But it got him away from them so that they could talk about them and, and everything. And God could give him direction on those things. And when God gave Moses the commands and instructions, the important part is that Moses was obedient to those things. You know, he was like, these are your people. I am not going to do anything without your presence here and your direction. And we should do the same thing in our life, right? Like, God created us to worship him and to be with him. So shouldn't we try to be in communion with him and try to make our lives a dedication to him? And as a result, God did do amazing things among the Israelites. He, he followed through with what he promised Moses, as God will follow through with any promises that he's given you. And he was with Moses for the rest of his days and continued to be with the Israelites as Joshua took over and a new generation found their way to the promised land. So I don't know about you, but I want that kind of an intimacy with God. And I want God's favor and blessing in my own life. And the most important thing in this life is chasing after God's will And if finding daily solitude with God can help us achieve that, why wouldn't we want to? So God is faithful to follow through in his promises, as I said before, and his promises to guide and direct us stay here today. You know, he he has that promise for us today, and we're not on our own in this world, right? So how can we achieve the kind of intimacy that we saw Jesus and Moses practice? Well, To learn about this, I'd like to go back to the scripture I read at the beginning of this message and read it in a bit more context that talks about the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6 uh, says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So first and foremost, we need to go to a private space. It doesn't have to be far from other people, but it needs to be somewhere that you can truly be alone. Um, Jesus wasn't too far from his disciples when he prayed on the Mount of Olives, but it was enough that he could pray with God in private and truly express his distress in those moments. And I've personally found that I've had some of my most intimate moments with God in the car um, of any place. (laughs) Um, 
because nobody can hear me. Most of the time, nobody can see me if I'm on the highway or something. <laughs> and I'm able to just have that, you know, my brain be quiet and calm, um, just personally. Um, it's helpful to have a specific spot overall where you can go to spend time with him. Moses had the tent as well as Mount Sinai, and Jesus had the Mount of Olives, but he generally chose a spot wherever he was traveling and chose that spot as his alone spot with God. And it helps you get into that mindset of prayer and worship, kind of like studying for a test, right? <laughs> um, secondly, try to calm down your mind and ask God to help you slow down a little bit. I know that I personally, people are like, oh, well, you need to sit and like meditate for a while, you know, <laughs> whether that's in prayer or, you know. Um, and it's like, I don't understand how people just sit there and be still. <laughs> Because my brain just going a million miles an hour. Um, <laughs> and so I found that if I turn on some soft worship music or a little bit of slow jazz with no words in it or something, it helps me to slow my mind down and kind of transition into that mindset. And I've noticed that sometimes I get so deeply into prayer, I don't even notice that the music stops. <laughs> um, even, you know, sound suppressing earphones can help if you have a busy house, right? And it just helps me sequester myself away from the things that I'm worried about and that I have to do and just place my entire focus on him. Um, you can also try beginning your time by shifting your mindset to a mindset of thankfulness and praise. So if we go back to the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave as a template on how to pray, it starts with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed means holy or consecrated. It means greatly revered and honored. So we're praising God and asking his will to be done, and we're intentionally shifting our mindset from us to worshiping God and having some more meaningful time with him. Third, we can uh, make our hearts right with God. Uh, the Lord's Prayer then says, give us our day, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we go from praising God and having a heart of worship to asking God to make our hearts right with him. We're asking, us to, we're asking him to help us um, be reconciled with him and with other people. And then the Lord's Prayer ends with saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we're closing time with him by giving him praise and thanking him for being here with us, right? And so I know this, uh, I have one more point to make, and I know this message about is about solitude. But if you have a pivotal moment in your life coming up, it's okay to ask people to pray with you, Right? So, like, if you, if you want to go and spend specific prayer time for a certain issue or whatever, um, in the Bible, they often had other people praying at the same time that they were seeking God. So, if you notice, both Jesus and Moses, in those instances, um, the groups of people they were with were also isolating themselves and were worshiping or praying at the same time. And... When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray for strength, he asked his disciples to be praying at the same time. Now, he told the disciples to pray about temptations and things like that, but regardless, he was also having them seeking God. 
And then when Moses went to his tent to ask God for direction and see, to see his glory, the Israelites were worshiping at their own tents when they saw God's, the cloud of God's presence descend upon the tent. And it's okay, so it's okay to ask others to pray and worship for you while you're seeking God as long as it's not meant to show you like other people are like, oh, I'm seeking God about this. I'm so great. I'm so holy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's just helpful because there is spiritual warfare that occurs and things like that. And it, it just um, helps the Holy Spirit go to bat for you, um, to God. Um, and all of us have unique relationships with God, and our prayer lives will naturally change depending on the different stages in our life. And our own prayer life today differs from um, my own prayer life today differs from my prayer life just a year ago. You know, I'm a different person. Different things have happened. I'm at a different stage in my life. But Jesus provided a framework to help us be more successful and intimate in our relationships with God. And if we can study and follow the examples laid out for us in the Bible, then we can refer to them when we're in a time when we've lost touch and we need help. And we need to know how to go to, how to, go to God for that thing. So we can reference the guidebook that is the Bible to foster that intimacy with the Lord. So I'd like to close with just one more Bible verse, and that is Psalms 46.10. And it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. God just wants us to seek him, right? And just like any relationship, he wants us to spend time with him. And that's the only way that we can grow closer. So if we set our specific time to be with him, we will find that we can move in our life. He can move in our lives and he can be closer with us than ever before. And so if we take this time in January in the cold, blustery winter, which isn't so blustery quite yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Uh, <laughs> um, then we can be closer with him. And in those moments when we really need him, we will know how to draw near to him. So uh, I'll just close with a word of prayer. So God, please help us to set aside our distractions and busy lives to reshift our focus to you. Help us to quiet our minds and show each of us how we can seek you and become closer with you and enjoy those quiet times in our lives. Please encourage us and let us feel your presence as we go about your day, our days, and thank you for wanting to have a close relationship with us and for guiding us in the ways that we should go. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.